Welcome everyone to the Monday edition of Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Uh, you can find me on social media at Primetime Klein on Twitter and Instagram, twitch.tv slash PK. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. You can uh, find the music that we are listening to or we're listening to from Wasted Talent on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be also, uh, as a few wrestling outlets took advantage of, uh, I don't want to say took advantage of, but as many uh, wrestling outlets found out, uh, all of our interviews are available on YouTube. Um, just search either Couch Potato Diary or again, Prime Time Klein. Uh, thank you to everyone for a lot of the kind words about the Adnan Verk interview last week. That was uh, wildly unexpected, um, but also uh, greatly appreciated. So thank you all so, 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 so much for checking that one out. Uh, and thank you to Adnan for coming on and talking about his wrestling experience for a few minutes. This is going to be a busy one today as we run through the NFL. We got some CFL talk in here as well. The NHL wrapping up a press conference that was about as pathetic as you could find, so we will touch on that. Major League Baseball, the World Series, lives on another day. There is a new champion in the UFC, and it's a Canelo Alvarez fight week. So, we got a lot going on to talk about today. First of all, um, for those of you who hang on every podcast coming out, uh, my apologies for not having a show on Friday. Uh, it was just uh, a, it has been a busy time around here, and also, quite frankly, was just feeling a little overwhelmed, and uh, the show would have sucked, so... Sorry. Uh, we also have an interview today, by the way. We're not stopping the pro wrestling talk as Sweet Daddy Soul from Mexico uh, joined us last week, was going to run that on Friday. We're going to run it today instead. So we're going to talk about why he hates my face so much. We'll get into that as the interview goes on. But we'll start with the National Football League. As week eight, just about in the books, we have one game left. That is Monday Night Football with the Giants taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. But we'll start with what I think is the biggest story of the day, and that is Derrick Henry. He is out for the season now with a broken foot. Um, he had surgery this morning, I believe. So he is done to done done. And Tennessee has built up a decent cushion now at 6-2. and two. Uh, This drives home how important this game was because they are now three games up on the Indianapolis Colts with that win. And it's just... It's going to be... It's going to be difficult. And the the thing is, like, I don't know if one team relied on one player for so much of their identity as the Titans relied on Derrick Henry. And also just for, you know, what they were as a team, that's, that's the basis of their offense. Like, wear other defenses down, set up all of your passing off of the play action. It's where Ryan Tannehill has been most effective in this little run that he has had with Tennessee. And all of that is set up because of Derrick Henry. And now you have McNichols there. He ain't that guy. Um, Adrian Peterson, apparently there's discussions he could come in for the, the Tennessee Titans. He was that dude. He's not now, and you're not going to be able to get him up to that level. This is a very tricky spot, and when you look at what the Titans have here coming up, they are one of the teams, they have a week 13 bye. Holy hell could they have used just a, a nice little week uh, week 9 bye. <laughs> Instead, they got the Sunday Nighter against the Rams, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. Then they got the Saints, which, even with the injuries, I don't think is an easy matchup. You have the Texans, that's fine. Then you have the Patriots, who, I will admit, might be better than I thought, but like that, that is still a more difficult than average matchup. Then coming out of the bye, you have Jacksonville. That's a win. Steelers. That should be a win. 49ers, Dolphins, Texans. So 
it's a difficult schedule to manage initially, and then it gets easier toward the end of the season. I don't think they lose this lead atop the AFC South, but this was a team that had bigger aspirations than, boy, look at this, we made it. Um, now, you wouldn't notice that by looking at that defense, but the defense has played better over the last few weeks. But th this is, make no mistake about it, a gigantic blow to any hopes of the Tennessee Titans doing anything in what is a very competitive AFC. They are right now the one seed in the AFC. Um, that would certainly help things out a lot, but I, I can't imagine that stays with, with Tennessee going down or uh, with Derrick Henry going down with this injury. It just, it changes the entire game plan for this offense. It changes things on the defensive side as well, because you're not necessarily relying on long drives as you would get with the, the running game the way they were. Oof. It's just, it is a game changer for the Tennessee Titans. It'll be interesting to see what they do between now and the trade deadline on Tuesday. As far as the Indianapolis Colts are concerned, if that Henry injury doesn't happen, then we're saying the Colts are done. And this was bad Carson Wentz popping up. We had a week of people talking about, hey, look at this, Carson Wentz is back. And nope, ends the game three of 15. That end zone interception simply cannot happen. That That is... That is something that is borderline excusable in college and in your first year in the league. But Carson Wentz is old enough to know better and has been around long enough to know better. And to, to still be making those types of mistakes simply cannot happen if you are a team that ha is planning on going in any direction right now. So this is, this is a rough one for the Colts. They get a bit of a gift with Derrick Henry, sorry, Derrick Henry going down with an injury. They would be the team best situated to take advantage of this. But like the Colts are currently sitting at three and five, which still is only a game and a half out of a playoff spot right now. Their schedule the rest of the way as we're just running through teams right now. They have the Jets and the Jets. They have the Jets on Thursday. Uh, then they have Jacksonville. But then it is the Bills, the Bucks. You get the Texans. They close out the year. Patriots, Cardinals, Raiders, Jags. I think it's going to be tough for them to close this gap on Tennessee, even with no Derrick Henry. Like, this is... It's just... You you can't lose games like that. They had an opportunity. A win there, you're all of a sudden, you're sitting at 4-4. Four and four, And you have the Tennessee Titans, who would be at 5-3. and three, And then, they'd be without Derrick Henry now for the rest of the season. All of a sudden, you're starting to print up Indianapolis Colts... South Division Championship banners, but instead you lose that game in a way that you cannot afford to lose. It, it's just it, it. Yeah, I think the Colts are done, and I think Carson Wentz is done, and that's it's too bad because he was great, but now he's not. The Rams taking on the Houston Texans. If you got in on the Rams at minus sixteen and a half, I feel so bad for you because that one was finito, and the Texans come back and cover that. I, I don't. I feel like I saw that on Sunday, but that was one I just kind of breezed by. The big story for the Rams is that they make the trade with uh, the Denver Broncos for Vaughn Miller. And for Denver, uh, sorry, to wrap up this game, the Texans ain't it. Um, for Denver, a sloppy win. It's a game that they should have lost, but this is the end of an era now with Vaughn Miller getting traded to the LA Rams. And I get Vaughn Miller wasn't that dude, uh, which is why you only get a second and a third round pick for him, even though you eat basically the entire rest of his contract. It, it's still... It's still a productive player, but now for Denver, when you look at uh, a team's identity, what are the Denver Broncos right now? Getting philosophical with you. But seriously, what are the Denver Broncos right now? They were a team that for the last decade was, yeah, the offense, if they could figure out the quarterback spot, they'd be really good. But man, that defense can still win them some games. And we've seen 
they might have won them some games against, or this game against Washington, but this is still not a team that, or th- th- this is not a Washington team that you're bragging about beating. They should have lost that game. You have a superstar on offense in Jerry Judy who couldn't stay on the field this season. And I, I think it's going to be fine. That was a bit harsh on him. But like the, if you're a Denver Bronco fan right now, I don't know what you're hanging your hat on. This is a very disappointing season for the Denver Broncos, a team that a lot of people picked to be one that takes the next step. And because of how the AFC is, this still might be a team that makes the playoffs. I wouldn't bet on it, but I'm... If I'm a Broncos fan, this is very much a, a, a white flag moment and very much you are seeing that this team is a lot further away than a lot of people thought they were at the start of the season. And Washington, it is just back to square one. I can't imagine being a Washington fan. I couldn't before, but I can't imagine being a Washington fan as this team that had such high hopes coming into the season. Now you have a season that is just circling the drain. They're two and six. Two and six, even with... Um, no Ryan Fitzpatrick. That that is still like this quarterback clearly isn't the biggest issue for this team. They are giving up uh oh wow. Is that the third fourth most points in the NFL right now? At basically the halfway point. So don't tell me it's the quarterback's fault. New Orleans against Tampa Bay. This is a bad loss for the Bucks because of the Jameis Win- uh, Winston injury. With Jameis Winston, this is still a, a game that you probably should have, but for New Orleans now, I don't know how big of a loss this really is because I, I don't think Jameis Winston was the reason they were winning a lot of these games. Now, I don't think Trevor Simeon's going to be the reason they win a lot of games either. And it, it sounds like Taysom Hill is going to be coming back. You all know, not the leader of the Taysom, Taysom Hill fan club. Some talk about, oh, go out and sign Cam Newton. I wouldn't if I were them. If, if I'm them, I'm looking over to the Houston Texans and asking about a, a Terod Taylor. I, I think that would be an interesting move. I think that you can call up the Raiders and ask about a, a Marcus Mariota, depending on his health status at the moment. So I, I, I just, I don't think the answer is in-house, but I also don't think it needs to be right now for New Orleans because I think the rest of this team, like as Alvin Kamara goes, this team goes, this defense can be good. They have shown some flashes and they come up with a big pick against Tom Brady to seal this game. For the Bucks, we are getting to a point at the top of the NFC where it feels like college football because every loss is massive right now. The Bucks are currently sitting at six and two. They're the four seed in the AFC or in the the NFC right now. They are behind the Cowboys, the Cardinals and the Green Bay Packers. And they would be behind the Rams except the Bucks are leading their division and now only by half a game over the Saints. Now I don't think their Saints are a team that you're necessarily worried about passing you if you're in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they are as currently situated and a lot can change. But if the season were to end today, then Tampa Bay, you get a home game to start the uh, to start the postseason, that's great. You're at home against the Rams. If you get through that, then you are on the road at Lambeau. And if you get through that, you're either at Arizona or Dallas or wh- whoever beat one of those teams. So it, it just not or yeah, not getting the number one seed in the NFC right now makes it a gauntlet to run through. And especially if you're going to drop to the four seed, that that's a lot to to come back from. I don't think Tampa Bay is going to be the four seed, but looking at the teams in the NFC, if the Cardinals fall off, I don't know if the Rams are going to fall off. It's it's a difficult spot for for Tampa Bay to, to lose that game with no Jameis Winston. Just one more note on on uh, New Orleans. Sean Payton, coach of the year, if this team hangs around a, a playoff spot. Michael Thomas, still out. Drew Brees, gone. 
whatever you get at quarterback the rest of the way, Sean Payton is very much flexing his muscle um, in a way that we did not see Bill Belichick do in year one post a, a franchise quarterback. Just realizing now, didn't really go over the Von Miller trade. He gets dealt from Denver to the Rams for a couple, as Adam Schefter called it, day two draft picks, which is so... I. I I've never been an insider. I'm probably never going to be an insider. I just want to know what the text chain is like as we slowly get this information out. It's like, hey, what can you tell me about this? Well, it's Vaughn Miller for a couple of picks. Okay, Vaughn Miller for two picks. Can you give me anything else? Well, we could tell you that's for a second and third, but let's just lead you along a little bit. It's day two pick. It's like a video game where you've, you're you just trying to, to advance to a couple of levels and you're just, okay, we've got a couple of pieces figured out. What are we doing here? It's... I would love to see those, but it ends up being a second and a third for Vaughn Miller. He is not a game changer, but he is an improvement over things on that Rams side of the ball. So for the LA Rams, they are one of the only teams who have been very aggressive trading in season. And now if you're looking at it from an Arizona standpoint, or even the 49ers who might like to think they're still hanging around, uh, probably not for that division at four losses, that's going to be tough. But the the Rams are going for it. And I, I give all the credit in the world to Sean McVay and that coaching staff. This one's a rental, which makes it a little bit tricky, and I don't know if Von Miller is going to be worth it beyond this season, but is that second and third round pick really going to have the same impact on your team as Von Miller will, or as being able to sign someone in free agency next year will? I don't think so. I, I like this aggressive approach from Sean McVay, and I wish, wish more teams would do it. And like I said before, from a Denver perspective, it just, it really kind of feels like you're starting over in Denver after this season. Speaking of teams that are starting over, the New York Jets with what will easily be their biggest win of the season as they beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Just quickly on the Jets, and then we'll get into the real story of this one. For the Jets, this is a, a very good win, and New York football fans need this as there has not been a lot to cheer about. In New York, uh, really, like in New York sports over the last little bit, the Knicks have been really good, um, but the the Yankees, that didn't end very well for you. So th this is a, a good win for the New York Jets, and feel happy for, for Robert Salah and uh, Mike White, I think the kid's name was. Sure. Uh, the fact that there's talk of there being a quarterback controversy in New York is laughable, but it's a good win. Um, for, for Cincinnati, that is an awful loss, and it just shows... And th there's been a lot of, by the way, overreacting to one game, especially on the AFC side where everything is so close and we don't really have that standout team right now. But it's been, oh, well, Cincinnati clearly now one of the top teams. And eh, Cincinnati's a good team. But they're not a great team yet. And there is still a level that Cincinnati has to get to now. And they, 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 they showed their immaturity in this game. And they show that there's still a couple of steps for this team to take. And I, I think that this showed that while things are going well, I still don't think they have the right coach there. Um, I, I think that you are really overthinking things when you're trying to run out the clock and you do a wide receiver screen that ends up being um, uh, an interception when you have Joe Mixon and the ability to run the clock out. It, it's that is, that is overthinking. That is getting too cute. I wouldn't even do that on Madden. So I, I think that this is a bit more an indictment on the coaching staff than it is on anyone in that Cincinnati locker room as far as players are concerned. Cincinnati will still be fine. This is just a bad loss. Teams that won't be fine. The Cleveland Browns. They fall to the Pittsburgh Steelers 15-10. to 10. Cleveland is still 4-4. Four and four, But look at who Cleveland has beat this season. Houston, Chicago, Minnesota, Denver. Eh, their point totals in October, 10, 17, 14, 42, 7. 
I know Baker is hurt, but this is this is this is not a good football team right now. It's just not that this is this is a team that screams average. And for the Browns, two years ago, to get a team that screams average would have been a godsend. But now that the bar has been raised after a playoff win, and you take the the, the Kansas City Chiefs to the twelfth round, and it just ends up not being able to go your way, expectations this year were higher. And Baker has the rest of this year and all of next year to prove that he is worthy of one of those mega contract extensions that quarterbacks have been getting, but I am not seeing it. And I get he is hurt right now, but I wasn't seeing it before. I think Cleveland's in a lot of trouble in regards to where they want to get to. This is a team that wants to be hosting playoff games. This is a team that wants to be playing for championships and a team that wants to be playing meaningful games. They are currently on the outside looking in. They're last in the AFC North right now. And again, on Pittsburgh, you guys know the story. I'm not buying Pittsburgh in this one at all. Um, Bouncing around a little bit on the schedule, Dallas and Minnesota on Sunday night. Again, week after week after week, I continue to not see what people are seeing in Minnesota. And I get like this week, if you wanted to ride the Vikings into that matchup against the, the Dallas Cowboys with no Dak Prescott, then fine, but you get what you deserve. This is not a good football team. It's just not, it is not a particularly well-coached team. I do not think they have the answer at the quarterback position. They have a couple of very intriguing offensive options in Dalvin Cook and in Jefferson. But this just, this team ain't it. And everyone just trips over themselves week after week after week. Oh, the Vikings are better than the record shows. Oh, this is a good football team. Oh, look at all these one. They're just not a good football team. They're just not, they're three and four and... That, that's kind of what their record, I think, should be. Their point differential right now is plus six. So don't give me the unlucky of the, the, the Minnesota Vikings right now. For Dallas, we talked about how every game feels huge right now at the top of the NFC. For Dallas to stay at one loss when they didn't have Dak Prescott in prime time, huge, huge for for Dallas. Huge for Mike McCarthy, because um, I, I still don't think he is very good, but to be able to, to coach that team up to, to get a win, I think this is more Minnesota losing this game than Dallas winning it, but for Dallas, you'll take it at this point. The Dolphins taking on the Buffalo Bills. Uh, a slow start to this one. I think it was 3-3 three, three at the half. Buffalo piles it on late. They pick up a win. This is still a Buffalo team that needs to answer some questions. Their wins this season, Miami, Kansas City, which isn't looking at, like as good of a win, Houston, Washington, Miami. So I would like to see the Buffalo Bills do something against a, a truly great team. And we're probably not going to see it until the postseason. But for me to believe that this Bills team did take a step from last season... I'm, I'm going to need to see it. From the Dolphins' perspective, we're going to hear the Deshaun Watson rumors right up until tomorrow afternoon when the, the trade deadline winds down. Um, th- this team's problem is not quarterback. I, I think Tua is fine. He's maybe not taking the step that I thought um, that he was going to take, but he is certainly someone who is not the big problem with this team. He is not someone who is holding this Miami Dolphins team back. So to get Deshaun Watson, again, you're still a team that has quarterback kind of figured out and not everything else. And that's just the football side of things, let alone the the actual human element of, of Deshaun Watson being accused of what he's being accused of. So Dolphins, spare me with the Deshaun Watson stuff. You need a lot more than Deshaun Watson right now. New England gets their uh, best win of the season, beating the LA Chargers 
for me, this one, the, the Chargers are going to be the focus. And we are now seeing that Justin Herbert is actually human. Um, I, I still think he's very good. The, the talk of, look, if I were starting a franchise today, I'm taking Justin Herbert over everyone. I'm still not there. Um, and I, I wasn't there before this loss either. Th this, again, talking about the Cincinnati Bengals needing to take another step. This is Herbert needing to take another step. This is Herbert who is is just making a couple of mistakes that you can't make. And for the most part, like 99% of the stuff he does is exceptional. But there's a couple of times and a couple of interceptions where it's just like, oh, dude, you're so close. You, you are so close to getting this and you're just not getting it all the way there yet. I still like the Chargers a lot. Mac Jones, I... I don't think he had a particularly great day um, against a, a Chargers defense. That isn't fantastic. I think Damian Harris was the story in this game against the bad run defense for the, the Chargers. It, it's a good win for New England. It's not one that I, I think is going to change too much of my thoughts uh, about them as this season goes along. Now we're getting into the games that don't require a whole lot. Uh, San Francisco against Chicago. It's a nice win for the 49ers. They, they needed that type of a win. For Chicago, I think the big story is Justin Fields actually looked legit for this game. And that is a big story for Chicago. It's not enough to get this team into a playoff spot this year, but that was something that kind of needed to get figured out. Not necessarily needed to get figured out this year, but you just needed to see some signs of life. And I think you have for Chicago. And lastly, uh, trade Allen Robinson. Seattle against Jacksonville, there's not enough, uh, not much to take from either side. Uh, Seattle with Geno Smith is good enough to beat one of the worst teams in the league. The Panthers get a win, but again, look far from impressive. But as as it currently sits right now in the National Football League, uh, the Carolina Panthers, I believe, are in a playoff spot. Uh, yes, yes, they are. The Panthers are half a game up on the Vikings, 49ers, uh, and the Falcons, and a full game up on the Eagles, Seahawks, and Bears for that last playoff spot in the NFC. This isn't a team that's looked impressive against a good team all year, but they end up getting the win. On the Atlanta side, the big story is Calvin Ridley. He has stated he needs to get his mental health figured out, and you hope nothing but the best for him and hope that he is able to get it. An incredible talent, but that's not what the focus should be on right now. And lastly, Philadelphia against Detroit. Uh, the lesson here is don't bet on bad teams. I liked what Detroit had been showing over a couple of weeks. I bought in, and I shouldn't have. As far as uh, Philadelphia goes, I think the big takeaway is from a fantasy football perspective, Kenny Gainwell showing that handcuffs, uh, handcuffs sometimes a little bit difficult. You can't just draw a straight line. Oh, well, this guy was the backup before. Oh, he stayed the backup as the primary running back stepped away. Fantastic. Boston Scott with a big day and uh, Howard gets into the end zone a couple of times as well. So that is the NFL rundown in the Canadian Football League. I was talking at the beginning of the year about how Hamilton not or about how Hamilton fans not really putting their trust in Jeremiah Masoli after a couple of rough games was insane. And I feel pretty good about that call now because Jeremiah Masoli has this Hamilton Tiger Cats team looking legit right now. And the East Division is just as intriguing and just as good as the West right now. And I think that makes this a very fun stretch run. Uh, Toronto gets an overtime win over the BC Lions. It's a good win for Toronto. Not a great win. I still think they make the wrong call by trading Nick Arbuckle this week. He gets dealt to uh, the, the Edmonton Elks who extended him beyond this year. I just, I feel like the difference between Arbuckle and uh, Bethel Thompson or Macbeth, which is hilarious. 
I don't think they are that great, and I think you have more of an upside with Arbuckle, who is younger and I think has shown that there that there is, I think, some upward mobility there. For Toronto, like you are locked in on this season. You, you make all those moves in the offseason to try to win a Grey Cup this year. So I understand wanting to go with the more proven thing, but I, I think in a couple of years, they're going to very much regret that deal. And Saskatchewan gets a, a good win against a, a pretty good Montreal team. Uh, not as, it, it's not a blowout, and I still think this offense has a lot of issues, but that's a, it's a good win for, for Saskatchewan and one that they desperately needed as they are now playoff bound. The music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be and find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. So before I came on and recorded the podcast today, the NHL went, um, they, they had Gary Bettman and Bill Daly do a media conference to talk about the despicable acts with the Chicago Blackhawks, and it was pathetic. Uh, they answered almost everyone's questions twice before they got to Rick Westhead, who was the one who really broke the story. They had no answers on anything, and this is with a week to prepare. And you, you see this in the NFL all the time. John Gruden gets let go by the Raiders, which he should have, 100% should have, um, in in an email scandal that se- would seem to implicate a number of other people in it, and the NFL, and we're not going to release the findings of it. But like, there are probably quite a few people who should at least face the public on a few of these things. I don't know, we're not going to talk about it. Oh, okay. And then Football Sunday came... And no one's talking about it on Monday. They're just, yeah, we're just going to sweep it under the rug. It's fine. And now you have the NHL, who is too big in Canada to fail and too small in the States for everyone to give a shit. And they're, yeah, we're not going to answer anything. We're going to give a bunch of half-hearted answers and a lot of vague statements that very much show that we are protecting uh, the perpetrators of this more than we are protecting victims in these instances. And everyone's going to watch hockey tonight in Canada. And uh, some are going to watch it in the States. Like, it's just... These leagues have discovered that they can just kind of, yeah, well, maybe, Mm, we'll see. And then eventually a story just goes away. And it doesn't matter how many people get hurt along the way, they're going to stay at their level because they have built up a a base where they are too big to fail. And we all all dive into it, right? Like, I, I, I think that there are major, major, major issues with the Olympics, with the NFL, with a number of boxers. With, like, just go through all sports. There are issues everywhere. And we still watch. And it's it's frustrating because, like, <laughs> I don't want hockey to go away. I don't want football to go away. You just don't want to feel gross watching these games all the time. And it just keeps feeling gross week after week after week with how pathetically run some of these organizations were and the NHL very much stepping in it today with just an abomination of a press conference. Moving on, uh, Major League Baseball, the Atlanta Braves failed to wrap up a World Series on home field. Uh, Hasn't happened since 2013, which is crazy and a little sad. You like to see teams be able to celebrate, although definitely could do without the tomahawk chop uh, 10 years ago. But for the Braves, I didn't think the Morton injury was devastating because, well, He's a starting pitcher, and 
we have seen, you're not doing the same thing we used to see with guys, where a guy goes in game one, game four, and game seven. He was game one, and then game five, and then maybe a couple of relief innings in game seven. Well, last night was game five, and they sure as shit could have used him, because that was rough. You think about, if Morton's going in the first inning for the Braves, if, if he gets the start, and they got off to that start with the grand slam from Adam Duvall, then that game is over. We're looking at David Justice clips. We're seeing Smoltz and Glavin and Maddox. We're, we're doing those because the game is just, it's done. It's over. Morton is not giving up that lead to the Houston Astros. Instead, you have an inexperienced pitcher and a bullpen that can be very good but was a little shaky last night and things fall apart. I still think the Braves are able to get this done. They are set up well with Freed and with Anderson, but they mentioned on the international broadcast last night, Freed hasn't exactly been lighting the world on fire in the last couple of games. If Morton is there for the Braves, I don't think this series is heading back to Houston. I think we're talking about the Atlanta Braves as World Series champions and then bracing ourselves for a work stoppage. Instead, we get a couple of more baseball games, and I don't think that would have been the case if Charlie Morton is there. And now you look at what Houston has. Martin Maldonado apparently is Pudge Rodriguez all of a sudden, both defensively and now offensively as he gets a couple of hits. It's another game for Bregman to try to get things figured out, and it's just, you you are starting to see, it's a lot like, honestly, what Houston did in the ALCS to the Boston Red Sox, where now they've kind of figured things out, and they were unstoppable in the last part of that. Could the same thing happen to the Braves? Time will tell. In the UFC, Glover Teixeira is UFC champion. He picks up a win on UFC's Fight Island Saturday afternoon. And this is one of those ones, it happens in MMA quite a bit, where you have a guy who had so much hype behind him. And Glover Teixeira was certainly that for a while. And they don't necessarily get there right away. And everyone kind of forgets that there was all this hype. And they just kind of hang around. And then there's a bit of a boost and off they go. This is Glover Teixeira. He is finally now at the point where we thought he could have been 10 years ago. And the spot where, quite frankly, he should have been 15 years ago. But there were some visa issues with him. He has always been incredibly talented. And he's always been incredibly dangerous at 205 pounds. He just happened to get there at the wrong time. With John Jones being the force that John Jones was. I, I love this for Glover to share it because it just, it changes, in my opinion, I think it changes the conversation around his career entirely. Instead of being Jacare Souza, incredibly talented, but never got to the top of the mountain. Instead, you now start it with former UFC light heavyweight champion who had an incredible run for over a decade. You see how that's a little bit different? With one win, it changes the entire way you introduce Glover Teixeira's career, and I, I think, quite frankly, it's the introduction that he deserves. Also from this card, admittedly, I haven't watched a whole lot from it. Piotrion is an absolute beast. And now we're getting ready for another UFC pay-per-view. This weekend is quite the fight weekend, as Kamaru Usman will take on Colby Covington, I'm sure nothing offensive is going to be said, and this is going to be a very standard lead-up to this fight. I think this is another potential star-making night for Kamaru Usman. Literally punched a hole in Colby Covington's face last time these two, te uh, two teams. Last time these two guys fought. I just feel like Colby is very good at what he does, but Usman is better at that, and he's better at everything else. I think Usman gets the win here. It's also fight week for Canelo Alvarez, as he gets ready to face Caleb Plant. We'll see a lot of this start to build up, but anytime Canelo is fighting, it's an event. Uh, and now, with all of that, let's get to our interview. Just a quick note, um, Sweet Daddy Soul from 
uh, originally from Winnipeg, now uh, part of Can-Am Wrestling here in Calgary, lives in Mexico. And so the internet connection, not fantastic. Uh, so we had a couple, it, it, it got a little glitchy. It's still still some good stuff and still enjoyed ch- chatting with him, but it's not the smoothest of interviews. So with that in mind, here is Sweet Daddy Soul. Very pleased to be joined by uh, professional wrestler Sweet Daddy Soul, uh, live from Mexico, I believe. Uh, thanks for doing this, man. How are you today? I'm good, man. Here with my Stu Hart Memorial Championship. Uh, but yeah, here in Mexico City, um, where I've been uh, living for uh, the past year and a half uh, since before the pandemic. But um, it's been great. Uh, it's, it's been great down here. Nice. So you you live down there. Hey, like that, that that is your instead of living in Canada and making trips to Mexico, you live in Mexico and just pop up here every now and then. Hey? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I mean, I, I just I, I can't bring myself to leave very often. You know, it's just nice weather and all that stuff. You know, I don't got to deal with the cold and the snow and, you know, uh, uh, getting into car accidents, which I've had happen to me a few times course driving on ice but uh yeah it's great living down here um so this it's been my uh it's been my thing since just before the pandemic so i kind of just like stuck out the whole quarantine thing everybody had to do uh during that time period down here and um you know kind of got to know mexico city mostly i didn't really travel around like too much and i still haven't just for wrestling shows really so any booking that takes me anywhere else that's kind of when I get to go and see other places, but uh, I've just been here training and and uh, now doing a lot more shows and stuff like that over the past, uh, I guess, eight months now. But um, yeah, so nice. Um, what what drew you to to Mexico? And obviously, like you said, it's paradise. Um, but from uh, like uprooting your life and moving out there, well, what drew you out there in the first place? Um, I've always been a fan of the Lucha Libre style. Um, growing up as a kid, you know, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero and uh, Chavo Guerrero and, uh, you know, all the other great wrestlers that uh, we obviously got to see on television um, that was broadcasted in Canada from uh, the States and stuff like that. So I think growing up seeing that, I think that really gravitated towards that. And um I had uh, been to Mexico before with my family uh, at one point, and I really, uh, really enjoyed the uh, the culture and stuff. I got to, got to learn a little bit about it and, and things like that. So uh, just just a combination of all of that really uh, was what kind of drew me to come down here uh, to begin with. Nice. And um, having seen you work now, you can see that there is a, a Lucha Libre influence. Uh, I guess the, the guys that you mentioned, probably some of the ones who you, you would try to model yourself after as an entering performer. Yeah, for sure. And uh, there's a there's a lot of flavor of uh, Ricky Marvin and uh, Sky Day and uh, people who train me now into some things that I do. Um, but, uh, definitely like what, like you said there, uh, that is, um, obviously some flavors of different things that I grew up watching and stuff like that, that I like to put into my work. So, um, in terms of the, the day of a life of a wrestler out in Mexico, like a, a show day, how, how different is it compared to a, a day, say at the back alley in Calgary? Uh, well, um, there's a lot of fans that are uh, 
very passionate. So um, typically there's lineups and stuff like that. And uh, like a big megaphone reception promoting the show. Like you can probably hear it down the street. <laughs> and um, there's like just posters all over the street. You can see them when you're driving up to the shows that you go to. Um, you don't have to show up too, too early. Um, everyone kind of shows up uh, at a different kind of time frame than what I would be accustomed to in Canada. Um, so that's different. And it, it's based on where you are on the show as well. Um, so that, that's you, you maybe like if you're on the first match, you might not even see the guys that are in the main event at all. Oh, really? Because you're done and you go get paid and you leave. You don't need to stay or anything like that. Uh, you can stay and watch the show if you'd like, of course. But like, you know, that's, you know, kind of the way it works. So um, it's it's interesting in, in that form. It's a very professional environment. Uh, I mean, pictures, cameras are everywhere. There's, there's like usually like 10 or 12 different people taking pictures. And you got uh, camera crews taking video and um you know different promos after the matches before the matches different things like that going a, a lot different um just the way things uh are structured now in terms of this this as like a, a growth as a as a performer and as a wrestler how valuable do you think this experience in mexico has been for you i think it's probably the most valuable thing i've, I've done so far um especially during the pandemic, which is kind of like a scary situation. Um, I, I lost my sister during the pandemic, you know, um, so that was a very uh, difficult thing for me to have to deal with while I was in Mexico. I think that really motivated me too. And um, getting to meet all the different people um, and Mexican people as a whole are just generally very, very nice people. So um, I kind of got to be embraced and brought into a family here of different people and, I think that really uh, made me embrace just the whole experience even more and just appreciate like what you can get out of an experience like this. And obviously I'm still here, so <laughs> um, things are going really well. Well, I, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your sister. Uh, that, that's, that's terrible. And that can't be easy being, uh, being far away. Um, in terms of, of people who you have worked with out there, I, I guess, uh, are you fluent in Spanish? And if you are not, is that a hindrance at all when it comes to, to working out there? Um, well, yo hablas español más o menos, which means I speak Spanish more or less. Um, <laughs> some people, you know, it's hard to understand them, but uh, yeah, no, I um, I've learned to uh, do promos in Spanish now, which is something I've really prided myself on uh, is, is getting that off the ground and being able to speak with the people and uh, the fans here, which is, has worked out really nicely. Uh, all the shows I do now, I can generally get a reaction like I do in Canada just by you know having fun with the people which is which is what it's all about at the end of them. getting to interact with them in their language has been a very very valuable trait that I've uh, been able to acquire uh so yeah, to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, and one of the things I noticed um, watching you at the back alley, like there's a lot of personality just when you walk through the curtain. Like it's not all verbal. There's a lot that, that you're able to convey just, just physically. And I would imagine that's something you would pick up when you first go out there and say, well, I can't speak to anyone. So I have to kind of portray charisma in other ways. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, uh, it's a process learning process. Um, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know a lot of people that have gone to other countries and embraced themselves and having to learn a new language. Um, but ironically enough, from, from Winnipeg and, you know, you can think of two guys names that have gone and done that. So I just kind of knew right away, like that was kind of what I had to do, you know, mm-hmm. like Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, they're both from Winnipeg. I'm from Winnipeg. And if you, I think if you're coming up in wrestling, and you want to be a wrestler. I mean, you should probably aspire to be like the guys that are around you or came from where you're from. And those are the two guys that came from where I'm from. So it's just like, huh, okay, well, what did they do to get to where they are? And, uh, you know, Kenny went to Japan and uh, Chris Jericho went to uh, Mexico and they both embraced and, and you know, and uh, embedded themselves into the culture and, you know, came out learning a new language. So um, I think that's all part of the process is communication and wrestling and what we do and how we go out there and perform for people. It's it's all based on communication, communication between us, communication between the referee, communication between the announced guys, communication between the fans. Everybody's all connected, you know, um, as much as uh, everybody wants to say what they want to say about what professional wrestling is. I think everything's connected and that's what makes it so great is everybody's a part of it. So. Uh, who are a couple of the, the performers that you worked with out there that you'd like to, to kind of shine a spotlight on? Oh, geez. Austin Triple A. Um, uh, just training with Bandito, um, getting to know him as a person and uh, training with him. Uh, that's been really cool. Uh, Ricky Marvin, one of my trainers, Sky Day. Um, there's, there's so many people. Um, um, more recently, uh, healed Dr. Wagner from the Wagner dynasty. Um, yeah, just a lot of people that are really, really talented. Um, obviously everyone's got a little bit of a different style too. It's not just like everybody's like a high flyer, which I, which is what I think a lot of Canadians think uh, Lucha Libre is. And it's like, no, it's, it's not what it is. You know, there's, there's a lot of elements to, uh, shoot style, uh, shoot fighting style or wrestling involved in it too. Just depends on who you're watching. You know, like I have a guy that uh, I've trained with. He's uh, become a really good friend of mine. Herodes Chacho Jr. Um, what's up, bro? <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he's, he's really, really um, all about uh, strong style and uh, different types of submissions and things like that. He mixes in some, um, some rope stuff and jumping off the ropes, doing things like that. And uh, it's, it's a very well-rounded base. And um, there's, there's a lot of different guys that are, that are like that. Um, They're not just uh, high flyers like Sin Cara and stuff like that. People would be accustomed to watching on TV, but uh, yeah, you know, it's very, uh, very diverse, uh, you know, what Lucha Libre really is. Now, as far as you're concerned, uh, Sweet Daddy Soul saw you at uh, the, the back alley a couple of weeks ago. Uh, for, for people who, who maybe aren't familiar with you, maybe haven't seen you, give us kind of a, a summary of who Sweet Daddy Soul is. Well, he's sweet, he's daddy, he's got soul. But, <laughs> and, um, you know, just, uh, you know, I'm a charismatic performer. Um, I'm all about uh, being there for the the people and um, you know it's it's a show and, and there's a lot of athleticism involved and, and everything that people go and see when they go watch a professional wrestling match but uh, I would like to think I bring an element of some melodrama and 
stuff like that into what I do. So I'm going to tell a story more importantly than just going to do a bunch of different movements. And that's what I would tell people is, uh, you know, if you're going to come and watch me, you're going to, you're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to laugh, you know, you're, you're probably going to go ooh and ah, and uh, you're going to go home really happy. I guarantee you that. Uh, now, as far as the wardrobe is concerned, um, I, I got up close and personal with the hat um, at the uh, at the back alley a couple of weeks ago, uh, and that that thing is a bit more solid than oh, I was expecting it to be. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think we might have caught you with this end right here. Mm, yep. um, for anybody that's listening, this gentleman I'm speaking to, um, unfortunately caught my hat in in the eye was it right yeah it, it's kind me. of it, it's true? kind of faded now but it, there was a, a nice little mark right there <laughs> sorry so sorry. it's all good it's all good um but I guess yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry about that man i really apologize <laughs> um so um i grew up watching a movie and an actor who i just completely fell in love with uh, Jim Carrey. And if you can think of the movie that I'm talking about. The Mask, yeah. Um, there you go. Uh, so superhero movie and always will be. So the hat definitely comes from a little bit of that. And then uh, my grandfather, uh, who's a singer and stuff, always used to wear a hat like this. And um so I, I kind of wanted to pay homage to him in some kind of way because he really, really was a big wrestling fan. So nice. Yeah. Um, now, what was what is kind of working at the back alley like? Um, I, that was the first time I'd been there for, for wrestling. I thought it was a great setup from a fan perspective. But as far as working yeah. there, what was that experience like? Well, um, I've actually worked there once before for Heart Legacy Wrestling. Uh, it was last year before the pandemic in February. And um, very similar to the way it was um, uh, the night that uh, you were there uh, last Wednesday, uh, or sorry, I should say the previous Wednesday, um, not this past one, but um, it was very similar. You know, it's, it's a nice, nice venue. Um, and it, it, it feels like there's like this uh, sound that comes from the top too, which is kind of cool. Um but uh, I like the, the dark environment that the background gives. And then you kind of got the light over the ring. There's something about that. It's kind of like a smoky environment to me. And I, I find that to be really cool. And uh, just the, it, like you said, the, the setup to me was uh, something. More professional than I would be used to in um, Canada. And uh you know, I hope that it uh, just continues to grow because Can-Am Wrestling is going to be there for a while. Um, so who knows what the, you know, what the future holds for the, that promotion and, and what's going to happen there because they got some really good, uh, good uh, guys involved in the whole uh, situation they got over there at the back alley. So, you know, yeah, it, it's uh, I would say it was a really good experience um, to, to, an to answer your question. Now, uh, with Can-Am Pro Wrestling, that, that show um, and shows following are going to be put up on, on YouTube. Um, does that change how you perform at all? Do, do you have to, to alter anything knowing that there are uh, a couple of different cameras rolling? Yeah, so um, I would just say that 
you know, it, it's always important to know where the camera is, the hard cam is and stuff like that. But, um, you know, as a performer, you kind of, I got to go out there and, and feel the environment too. And, uh, like that and the cameras are rolling, of course, but, uh, you do, you do the best you can really. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's always different though. Um, some, some promotions don't have, you know, extra cameras and stuff like that too. So, um, it is nice when you do have a guy, you don't really got to like, um, worry too much you kind of know where things are if you've been doing this for a little bit and you've been around a lot of cameras um, especially doing the uh, doing the uh, wrestling down here at some of the bigger arenas I've worked in like um, uh, IWRG Nicole Pan and AULL and Arena Lopez Mateos they have a lot of guys on the camera on the ground and stuff like that so um, I think that kind of helped a little that helps a little bit uh, when you have a little bit more experience with more cameras. Nice. Uh, last one for you. Uh, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, obviously, things going well. You're in Mexico, and getting to perform with some, some big names out there. Where Where do you want to see that this wrestling journey take you? I guess. What What are some of the goals that you have for uh, the, the remainder of your wrestling career here? Uh, I would like to wrestle in as many countries as I can. Uh, that's a goal. Um, we'll see how many I can get to when I'm done, <laughs> I guess. But um, that's one of my goals. Um, I would say to uh, be able to make a comfortable enough uh, living that I can support myself and then hopefully be able to help some others out along the way. Um, and uh, just to continue to enjoy the journey, you know, uh, I think that's the, the big thing for me is, I'm not really worried about like what next year looks like. I'm just kind of worried about what, what I got to do tomorrow and, and how that feels like and what I got to do to continue to feel good every day. Um, I have, uh, I have something called celiac disease, which a lot of people have, which is a very tough thing to live with. Um, so I, I try to do the best I can with like thinking about eating right every day. So there's a, there's a lot of tasks that, that come into like just wanting to be able to do this long, as long as I want to, or as long as I can, I guess. Um, and uh, I think that task is kind of what keeps me motivated. Um, and I think it'll always kind of keep me motivated. So wherever, uh, wherever things take me, like, I'm, you know, I'm kind of cool with it, you know. Nice. Um, well, thank you very much for doing this. Uh, I, I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, enjoy Mexico. I don't know how you wouldn't be able to, uh, but uh, looking forward to your next trip back to Calgary. <laughs> all right. Thanks very much, man. And again, sorry about the hat. I do apologize. <laughs> it's all good. It was, it was the waitress fault for bringing food at that time anyway. Um, well, I'll, I'll get you next drink the next time you're there. <laughs> all right deal all right that's sweet daddy soul and that's the show thank you guys very much for tuning in today remember please rate review subscribe wherever possible you can find me on social media twitter instagram i am at primetimecline twitch.tv slash primetimepk you can email the show couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com the music you're listening to right now is provided by wasted talent find them on instagram at wasted talent with x's where the a's would be and you can find their producer on instagram at tommy fresh music other stuff from me this week um, always check out my stuff at Three Down Nation. Uh, coming up on Wednesday morning, we have another episode of We Had No Idea. We pushed last week's episode to Sunday because it was Halloween and we were doing a serial killer, so it just seemed to work. Uh, but 
uh, new episode on the Zodiac coming or is out now, so check that one out. Thank you guys very much for listening. A couple more shows coming up this week, but uh, until then, I'm out.